0: everyone, we are back here on the Accessibility Corner with Mr. Tom Lane from The Arc of El Paso. The Arc of El Paso has has a lot of services that are really good for the community, but first of all, before we even go there, um, any information that or resources that we have on the Accessibility Corner is on our website, which is www.theaccessibilitycorner.com. You, we have, a, I think it's over 60 resources and also has uh, last week's po- or last uh, episode, with uh, Tom uh, Handy from the Veterans Business Association. So, Mr. Lane, how are you doing this morning, sir, or this afternoon?
1: Hey, I'm doing well. Uh, It's been a beautiful day. Uh, So uh, I'm grateful for the opportunity to be visiting with you this evening. Uh, The day is ending wonderfully.
0: Oh, it's good, Is it it raining over there where you're at? No? Because I smelled rain over here, so. By, um, by there. The
1: only rain that happened was what I created to keep my dog entertained about an hour ago. <laughs> I've got an older uh, uh, golden retriever named Jojo, and boy does he like you know getting wet in the summertime. And so if it's a watering day and he's not getting water, you know, he feels really offended. So he was outside getting a little bit of water. Oh, that's
0: nice. <laughs> hey, you know what? My wife does that to me too. But anyways, uh <laughs> <laughs> tell you. Um, so, Mr. Lane, I know you, but the, can you let the people that are watching or listening to know a little bit about you?
1: Right. So, my name is Tom Lane, and I'm the president of the Arc of El Paso. And it's, it's been my pleasure to be with the Arc of El Paso ever since I retired from Socorro Independent School District. I was with the district for 27 years, serving in various capacities, starting off as a special ed teacher back in 1990, Uh, uh, teaching at um, Socorro Middle School, uh, Sanchez Middle School, both very close to Socorro High School. And then my final classroom assignment was at America's High School, which is real close to where I live. And then after that, I worked as the transition services coordinator uh, out of the special ed department, helping um, students uh, with disabilities as they were exiting high school and also providing services for their family.
0: So what what got you into? Because I like I said I've known you for a while. What got you into the arc of, of a Paso? Because I know, which I really appreciate you helping those students transition from high school to, to quote unquote the real world or even college. Because that's that's a hard, that's a you hard know, it transition.
1: Is, it, it absolutely is, George. And, and so when I took over as the transition services coordinator, uh, I visited with the director of special education, who at the time was Susan couch and. She um, wanted me to become in in my capacity, more involved in the community, to grow capacity of the district, to better serve uh, our students and and to establish uh, better and broader ties to the community. And so the only way that I knew how to do that was to go out and connect with people in the community. And so the Arc of El Paso was one of those organizations that I connected with.
0: Have you been there for at least, what, four or five years at least?
1: Ever since I've retired, sure. Uh, okay. I, I've been very active. But I was active with them before. Uh, they wanted me to be a board member with them before I ever, you know, retired from Socorro ISD. And I told them that I thought at that time it would be a conflict of interest for me to serve on the board while also working in the district.
0: So I told, and I know- them,
1: I, so I, I told them I'd be happy to act in the capacity of maybe an educational advisor to the board. And then that's mm-hmm. basically how I got started with them. And then when I retired, of course, there was no longer that conflict of interest, and I became more deeply involved with the organization.
0: Because I know when I was on the board, real, real briefly, I think it was like 2000 or 2016, 17, anyways. But um, you, what I've seen, what you've done with the Archibald Pastors, as and the board, of course, is uh, what you've done, is which I feel is very important for... for um, for groups to know this, is you have a footprint. And what I mean by that, you have an actual store in Sunland Park Mall.
1: We do. And so so the way that came about was um, at the time, um, I want to say I was vice president of the organization and Ceci Navarro uh, uh, was our uh, board president. And she happened to catch a news report on one of the channels, I think it was channel seven, she caught it on, about how Sunland Park Mall was gonna start Um, providing discounted spaces to nonprofit organizations. So the next day I was reaching out to Sunland Park Mall uh, about the opportunity. And because of COVID, it took us a little bit longer to get over there than we had hoped for. We actually started the process probably back with Sunland Park Mall in 2019, but we did not actually move into the location until July of 2020. So we've been there since 2020. We had to do a minor redesign on the space of painting and doing some minor renovation. Uh, In the middle of COVID, when there were no supplies, we had to go out and get all new furniture. Well, not brand new furniture, but new for our organization. Uh, We had to go get computers, computer desks, and all of those were challenging uh, when everybody else was going out and buying home office supplies during that time. So, so you know we um you know we were skillful. I think we were blessed uh, and, and and so we have a very nice location at this time. and uh, we're doing some minor work on it now. We're going to add an additional wall to create some storage space and, and to make it look a little nicer in the back
0: uh, side of our location. so that store uh, well, I'll call it a, a storefront. Mm-hmm. what does that what is it what is it have? I know you have uh, some events there. Right. So, so we
1: think of that as the hub of where we do activities. You know, what we want to do with the arc of El Paso is we know we're an organization that serves individuals with intellectual and developmental disabilities and their families. We want to be the hub of activities for our constituents in the El Paso community. And that location serves as the hub for what we do in the community. Um, we um, host different kinds of activities. One of the activities we're going to have coming up towards the end of the month uh, is a book club. And and so we're reading a book out of my mind uh, by Sharon M. Draper. Uh, If any of your guests want to uh, join, we can go over how to do that. There's absolutely no cost, but we'll do that as a hybrid model where people can either come into our location or join us via Zoom. Whatever works better for them. We want people to participate, not be limited by their, their set of circumstances. So we had that location there. We During the summer, we invited kids to come in, do different kinds of activities, Legos, games. We had an ice cream social day. You come in to make your own ice cream sundaes. Um, in uh, a couple of weeks, two weeks from today, we're going to have like a, an event celebrating August birthdays. And so we like to do a lot of different kinds of activities. Uh, in September, we're going to start up our educational series for the fall. And it's going to be um, uh, based on um, focusing more on supportive decision-making, self-determination, alternatives to guardianship and guardianship is is what we're basically gonna be looking at in that series. So a lot of what we do is based out of that center.
0: Let me ask you, before we go any further, I wanna, so people kind of put this in what they understand when when you say intellectual and and developmental disability, what are what are those two? What's the definition for those two uh, diagnoses? Well, an
1: intellectual disability is going to be a person who is is diagnosed to have maybe an IQ below seventy, and and they need additional assistance somehow in life. Um, th- they would have difficulties with activities of daily living and, and, and one or more areas. And, and so these are people who are, are wonderful people. They just need additional assistance. A developmental disability, in the broadest term, is simply any disability that has has its onset uh, when somebody is, say, under age eighteen, and, and okay. so somebody who somebody who who has their onset in childhood. Typically, what we see and and our constituents are people with intellectual disabilities, uh, people with autism. People with cerebral palsy, people maybe who are using wheelchairs, and and so these are the people you know who we are blessed to have as part of our life, and and so we work very hard to provide them an environment at the Ark of El Paso that works for them.
0: What? So, for example, when someone comes in, are the services free, or is there some some cost to to participate?
1: Most. Uh, of everything that we do is free. If, if there's a cost involved with something, we'll let you know during the sign-up process. We're not going to surprise you with a, oh, by the way, there's a fee for it when you walk in. Uh, typically the kind of costs that we charge for are uh, if we're doing an activity. Um, um, for instance, um, a, a good example would be if we go to the movies as an organization, we might buy the tickets and rent out the theater. We'll just ask our, our constituents to buy their own food. So we're not in the process or in the habit of going out and, and setting fees for uh, for the activities. We know many people in El Paso um, have competing priorities for their dollars. Mm. Uh, things are so incredibly expensive and they're expensive for the Ark of El Paso. Um, so that just motivates us to go out and do a better job of connecting with funders in the community. Uh, last uh, week, I was uh, at a wonderful uh, grant uh, writing session sponsored by Texas Parks and Wildlife. And so I know that's gonna parlay into a proposal submitted by the Arc of El Paso. The cool thing is we have three months to get that turned into them. So that, in, in terms of grant writing, that's like an eternity. Uh, So we like to go out and get funding from external sources, so that we don't have to charge the people who will benefit from those services.
0: Now, do you have uh, an ongoing? By by the way, on the side note, when you said expensive, Mr. Lane, just for people that are watching or listening, the other day, I think like two weeks ago, uh, me and my wife went to Subway. Okay, and we ordered two 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 combos, and I heard, I heard something about twenty. I'm like mm, okay, that's a little. And then when he came to the, to the, to the window, he was $28 and 32 cents. I'm like, $28 for two yeah, combos.
1: It's, it's, things are expensive. So one of the cost increases we had this last year is we didn't have our rent increase. Um, we went from paying 350 a month to 500 a month, which, you know, it's a, it's a, that's a pretty substantial percentage, but it's still a very good deal on commercial property space. Uh, beyond that we don't have to pay anything for utilities that's all included the only other cost we have is for our internet and phone connection over there so so, so do, you, a really you, good deal
0: you do have computers at your center right
1: we do so okay. we have computers at our center anybody is welcome to come in and borrow them uh we've had parents come in maybe to apply for services hmm. to one of the state of texas websites uh, or maybe um provide supporting paperwork. We've got a multi-purpose machine in there, so it's very easy for us to scan a document, upload it, you know, and send it in. Uh, on, on. So, so we've got all that capacity over there. If somebody needs to print out documents, we can do that as well. So we provide all of that.
0: One thing I did want to mention during the podcast is kind of put you on the spot there, Mr. Lane. <laughs> I, uh, I want to thank you because I know you've done a lot in regards to making your, your services accessible to everyone. And what I mean by that is I've, ever since you took, you took over the ARC and even yourself and your personal Facebook page, I noticed you do a lot of uh, image description. So that, that does help someone yeah, that's that, visually that, impaired. Know,
1: and, and the reason we like to do that is we know that we have many different followers of the ARC of El Paso that have different support needs. And I don't want to provide something out there that is, is not going to be of any value to somebody. Uh, it's it, it sort of it's it's it, it, it's very frustrating. You know, when I, when I went to the um, to that grant writing workshop from Texas Parks and Wildlife last week, one of the big positive takeaways I had from that was they were very clear in letting us know as an organization that serves people with uh, intellectual and developmental disabilities that when we needed to do headcounts for our activities that they were perfectly fine for us. In including the caregiver as part of that headcount so a lot of okay. times yeah, you know, when you're doing a grant you're trying to explain how many people are going to benefit from those uh, activities you're proposing so they're pretty cool they 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 that they, they, they know we're gonna have to work with a smaller number um, and, and I thought that was a very inclusive uh, way of of you know sharing that information with us so I was excited about that
0: that sounds really good. And, and one you know, thing I want to talk about, and we talked, we touched on it kind of briefly at the beginning of the podcast, is uh and it kind of parallels to Dark article House of what they do. What do you see? uh and, and I'm doing this on purpose for people to understand what we're we're, we're going to talk about. And this applies to any disability, but in, in, especially those with an intellectual and developmental. I can't say that word. I always have a hard time with that word. Um IgD, There you go. I can say that. <laughs> um, What is the biggest barrier you see from a student transitioning into either quote-unquote real life or or college? What do you see the biggest barrier is?
1: I think there's a lot of um, fear from families. Um, Families um, don't want maybe something bad to happen to their child with a disability, and so they're very protective. But in being protective, they're also denying access to the opportunity. Hmm. And so that's a very fine line. And I understand parents want to protect their children, but it's impossible for a parent to 100% bubble wrap her child and keep them safe in every possible situation. And so we would encourage families to really consider the support needs of their child that happens to have a disability and, and and find a way where that child can integrate into society. Now, when it comes to high school kids moving on to post-secondary education, there are very few options here in the El Paso area. El Paso Community really? College has Project Hire, but that's sort of uh, by interview only, and there's maybe five or six slots a year. So so there's, there's not that many opportunities we would love the opportunity to see other kinds of programs available here in the El Paso community uh, so that when somebody graduates from high school, if they want to continue on in their learning, that there would be other opportunities uh, beyond just Project Hire.
0: There's one question that I've, I've seen a lot and I have had people ask me in particular, but I really don't know what's a, how to respond. I think you may, uh, Mr. Lane, what is an ABLE account?
1: So an ABLE account is a tax-privileged savings account. ABLE itself is an acronym for um, a better life experience. And it works very much like a college tuition 529 savings account where the money gets saved and as long as it's used for its intended purposes, there are no tax consequences. An ABLE account is set aside to benefit a person who has a disability. Right now, that disability has to have an onset prior to age 26 to get, a, to get an ABLE account, although there is legislation pending in Washington, D.C. Uh, that would move that up to maybe age 46 or so. Uh, that's depending upon whether the Senate takes action. I'm not holding my breath at this point, Uh, um, but that's, uh, so, so what that ABLE account does is it allows money to be set aside. People can set aside money up to the maximum amount specified by whatever state that ABLE account is based in. And it could be several hundred thousands of dollars. And as long as the money is in the ABLE account somebody will always maintain their Medicaid eligibility. So for a lot of people, the big deal is about maintaining those health benefits and those long-term support services. Um, Once the account balance is $100,000 or more, then SSI payments are temporarily stopped until Mm -hmm. the account balance falls below $100,000. So that ABLE account can be used for many different things, paying for college, buying a house renting a house paying for renovations uh, if somebody wants to go out and start a business yeah you could use the able account for that as well if you wanted to go out and get a job and maybe you needed to pay for your own job coach uh, because the amount of job coaching you needed was more than what BR services would sponsor, then yeah, you can go ahead and get that as well. So, I mean, there, there's you know, just, just about anything that you would spend SSI dollars on, you can spend ABLE dollars on. So That's it's a really cool, it's a really cool tool. Parents, I think are still very suspicious of it. And I get that, but I would encourage families to be thinking about the long-term benefit for their family member who has IDD so that they can so that they can do some financial planning and, and, and look towards that better future.
0: And I know you, you do have that on the website too. And one thing also I noticed something about, um, and I could be saying this incorrectly, so please you know, let me know. Uh, when it comes to um, conservatorship or, or choices of the of the person who was an intellectual or, or, mm-hmm. or IDD, how did the ARC help with that? I know they do some way somehow, right?
1: Well, we, I think are very much in step in an agreement with Disability Rights Texas. We think guardianship should be used as an option of last resort and only when it is the best remaining choice uh, for a family. We would encourage family members to, to work with their family member on choice-making, supported decision-making, And do that before, say, the age of 18, just so they can be just so the parents can really get a feel for their child's capacity to learn the skills. Um, We're a big believer in trying out powers of attorney before going to guardianship. Once uh, parents approach the probate courts and have somebody's civil rights taken away through an act of guardianship, um, it's very difficult to have those rights restored to the person. Um, okay. There's a lot, there's a lot of documentation that has to be presented to the courts. So we would encourage families to to really take a look and and see what some of those options are. And so really that's what our full learning series is going to be about that we're going to have starting up at the end of September and following up each month uh, through December.
0: And now remember folks, you you want the website, phone number uh, go to www.accessibilitycorner.com and have a bunch of resources there too, but the archival paths I've seen has really developed a lot in the past few years regarding to, for outreach and, which I think is very important, <clears throat> Mr. Lane, that's why, we, <clears throat> excuse me, that's why we're doing this, these type of podcasts to, to give out that information because sometimes people don't know that there are services out there and they're like, wow, it, it would have really helped. And, my and,
1: and so you, you're 100% correct. Uh, a lot of times we get phone calls from people even outside of the El Paso area because maybe they're familiar with an ARC chapter where they're at, and, and they maybe have a family member here in the El Paso area, and they're trying to locate services. And And sometimes we provide comparable services to other ARC chapters, and sometimes uh, we provide a different level of, of services than, than other ARC chapters. Um but we're always very big as an organization. If we're not providing a service that somebody's looking for, we're going to help them connect to the organization that will provide those services.
0: Yeah, I know you do that. So that's a good thing that you kind of network. So nothing that, that really helps because like I said, the, the lack of income or I'm sorry, the lack of information is so crucial when someone really needs that information. Like for example, I'll give you an example, perfect example. My cousin reached out to me today and a friend, a friend from high school, the father, I guess, has something happen medically and he's blind now. He's a senior citizen and he's blind. So she reached out to me and she's like, the family doesn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, you know what, we, we got them, we got them. But the thing is, there's, if not hundreds, there's thousands of families, not only here in El Paso, but everywhere that has that situation where something happens and they're like, wow, what do we do? You know, right. we're, you know, and they're scared. And, and that's why I like to bring, uh, like you, the Ark of El Paso, to bring yeah, those yeah. services
1: absolutely these things happen all the time you know we have family members you know some of the issues we're facing at this time of the year we have you know kids going back to school and so Mm -hmm. we have some parents who are concerned about what's happening with their child's iep we get that Uh, we have other parents who are trying to figure out what's going to happen for their child now that their child is no longer in high school they've they've aged out And then we've also sometimes get phone calls from parents of children who are newly diagnosed and they're trying to figure out what they need to do to benefit their child. And so all of those situations require a slightly different approach, but they all require a lot of different information. And if we don't have the immediate information available to us, we'll let you know and we'll go find that information. If we know there's another organization that is going to be the best go-to organization that's going to get your information or your situation resolved um, very quickly. We're going to help you get connected with that organization.
0: How about what do you mean we're seeing right now, Mister Lane? I'm not sure, if, you know, how we could, if, if you could, you know, answer this question. But I've always been curious when it comes to someone with an intellectual disability, because in my opinion, it's hard to process what's going on in life. -hmm. You know, the interactions like myself, me being blind, I really can't. My interaction or my, my, um, what I understand is different from when you, because you can see it, right? So I've always been wondering or wonder what happens when someone, for example, doesn't have a support system at home or, or or whatever it is, and they, you know, they age out of high school and they graduate and whatnot. I'm always in my head, I'm wondering what, what's, you know, besides the Ark of El Paso, what can they do like for housing? I mean, there, sure. there there
1: there aren't those very many options for them. Typically, what will happen to somebody if they age out of high school and there's not a strong support system within the family is somehow they will become wards of the state. They'll eventually mm-hmm. move over in, into that area. Uh, typically, adult um, protective services will become involved. Uh, they will be served through adult foster care um and and so those are very common kinds of arrangements um those aren't the best Uh, i think it's very shameful as a country um how we've set up our system of long-term support systems um one of the kinds of calls we get on a regular basis is maybe from somebody who is maybe age 65 to 70 and they're living say maybe up in Washington State. And they're calling us because they have a sibling who's maybe 67 living here in El Paso and that sibling has an intellectual or developmental disability, but their caregiver, say the mother, has recently passed away. And so that sibling is trying to figure out what can I do to help my sibling? And most people would simply probably in their mind think, well, pack up your sibling and move them to your house up in Washington State. Sadly, we have to tell them be cautious about making that move because you might be giving up long-term support services that your sibling has access to in Texas that may not be immediately available up in Washington state. And so all of our long-term support systems in this country are tied to Medicaid, and Medicaid is a federally mandated but state-specific program. And so there's no portability across state lines uh, for those long-term support systems. And so once somebody receives long-term support systems in one state, they pretty much have to stay in that state. And I think that's a really big tragedy because it unfairly separates people who have intellectual and developmental disabilities from their families. Mm -hmm. Um, We have families who are already struggling with that and their child with a disability may, maybe they're still in high school. And so they're trying to really work with their family to teach family values, you know, such as, you know, we're always here to take care of each other with the idea of maybe down the road, you know, as a sibling, they'll take care of their sibling, but life happens. Mm -hmm. Job opportunities take many people out of El Paso and out of the state of Texas. And so these are people who, even though they love their sibling dearly, uh, they have to look at their immediate family, their own children, their spouse, and and that's one of the roughest kind of decisions somebody could make. And I'm not gonna say there is a mistake or an error, whatever the decision is made, because I know people who have to go through those decisions, those are some gut-wrenching kind of decisions they have to make. But what's shameful is we live in a country where that's just commonplace. And unless you are a family member caught up in that particular situation, um, you probably don't even know that that's happening.
0: True. True. And And I know
1: that's probably that's probably the hardest thing that that, that we have to explain. Uh, I think of my my grandparents who lived up in northern Indiana, during the winter months heck they would pack it up and and go down to southern california because it was a lot warmer in those winter months they didn't have a problem with arthritis and so when we get a phone call about you know a a person who's living up in uh say maybe um wisconsin and they want to come down here to el paso because they have family down here during the, the winter months i have to tell that family the same thing it's like you need to check with your, with your Wisconsin long-term support services before you pack up and move down here to make sure, one, you won't be forfeiting any services when you're down here for a few months in a row to avoid those harsh winters. And then I also have to tell them, don't expect to get anything out of the state of Texas when you're down here. Um, so a lot of what most people take for granted um, um, is, is a very harsh reality for people with yep. I. ID-
0: and then, and the thing that people don't realize that like you said, like you know, when you when you go through with it, like when my mom got sick and we had, you know, two, I there's like what, like what, 30, 30, 40 different types of Medicaid or something like that. I forgot what it was, but there,
1: um, yeah, there there are there are different kinds of Medicaid waiver programs, and so to make it even more confusing, these long term support programs are called Medicaid waiver programs, and so because it uses the term Medicaid, people who already are receiving maybe traditional Medicaid because of a disability or poverty think, Oh, I already have that. And in fact, they don't right now in Texas, there are more than 170,000 people on a wait list. Wow. And the state of Texas will tell you officially that it's maybe a 12 to 14 year wait list to get long-term support systems through a Medicaid waiver program. Um, The, I guess the results we're seeing locally with our constituents is it seems more like a 14 to 20 year wait list.
0: Wow. That is ridiculous.
1: And, and, you know, you know, I, I would encourage anybody who's listening to think about, you know, how you would feel if when your child was five years old, you took them down to the school to enroll them in kindergarten and the school said, you know what, we're all fooled up, come back and you know, 14 to 20 years. So your child okay. can get kindergarten. You know, mm-hmm. parents would go ballistic with that, and yet parents of children with IDD and other people who need uh, those long-term support systems are expected to basically sit on their hands and smile and and, and be polite. Um, You're
0: being polite by saying that, but <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I'm yeah, yeah,
1: being yeah. As I can with, with with the situation underneath, it just sort of burns me, and I wish I could say, well, maybe one political party or the other political party you know, was a better political party. But I've come to the conclusion that the political parties out there, um, they, they tend to be focused on other things. They've all come into positions of absolute control at the federal level and at the state level at, at various times, and I've not seen much action uh, taken um, on, on those particular issues. Uh, so...
0: Um, this I is amazing, Mr. Lane, that you, you, I never thought about what you just said. You know, Medicaid has been in existence when what the forties, fifties? i am thinking?
1: It's been around for probably at least the
0: sixties, if okay. not. Okay. And you would think, over at least say say forty years, that those kind of uh, deficiency would be looked at because you're right. And I know what you're talking about because going from one one city or one state to the other, and having those those long-term services is is crucial not only for the person's quality of life but it it helps especially if someone has an uh, idd it Mm -hmm. helps them develop develop more into into the person they're going to be you know
1: absolutely um when a person is diagnosed with autism typically that's going to be when they're three four five maybe six seven in the elementary school um the earlier they get those early intervening services, the more uh, likely um, they're going to get those supports in place that they need to be more successful as an adult. And the same is pretty true for people who have IDD. A lot of the strategies that might be used for a person with autism will also be very successful for a person with IDD under certain circumstances. So, I'm, I'm all for those those early intervening services. Um, but sadly, um, I think we live in a society that's, I guess, very busy with their life. And it's very easy to overlook somebody who's your neighbor and maybe they're suffering. And I think that's, we, we see a lot of that.
0: Um, I think you know, what, you just, what you said, Mr. Lane, which is so true. And so that family member or that family has a family member that, you know, diagnosed or Whatever it is, whatever the situation is. And they go, they had to encounter those questions, those, those problems. They're like, oh, now I understand. Like, oh, you know, like for example, when my mom, before she she was to the point where she couldn't get out of bed, I really didn't understand, you know, like Medicaid. I, I didn't, even though, you know, I'm an advocate and whatnot, but I didn't understand the, the technical part of it. Mm-hmm. And and it's very technical, you beautiful folks. I'm telling you, yes. it's it's very technical, and it's some sometimes it's very. It's for example, so my mom went into a nursing home because she has she had a um, they're thinking that maybe we put her in a nursing home, and then uh, so she gets some therapy. And so when she got into the nursing home, she had Medicaid, mm-hmm. like you said, but it was a different type of Medicaid. And so the, the director uh, of admissions came and told us, okay. We're gonna apply for your mom for, for for Medicaid. I'm like, well, she has it. No, she didn't have the right, correct right <laughs> kind. Yeah. And so, if 21 days, this is what they told us, and it happened in 21 days. Or I forgot what yeah, it was. 21 days. If she doesn't qualify or something that's not processed, she would have to leave. I'm like, what do you mean she has to leave? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm like, mm, my mom can't get out of bed by herself. So what do you mean? And they they kicked her out.
1: Yeah, and sadly, that's that 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 is life. Um, it's very easy for people to make decisions that are arbitrary, and 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 not see the pain and suffering. Um, we had a listening session back in February uh, with a company that wants to become a, a Medicaid managed care organization in the state of Texas, and so they. They, they sponsored our spring listening series with the idea that they could better understand the needs of people in Texas. And I really hope that organization is, is, gets awarded a contract because I really value their perspective in the, uh, what they want to do. Uh, but in that listening session, what came to my mind was how fragile parents are in supporting mm-hmm. their children. And when I'm thinking of the parents who I saw during that meeting as fragile, these are people who if you were to meet them on the street and just talk to them casually, you would think these are people who are solid as the rock of Gibraltar. I mean, they they, they come across in everyday life as very solid. Uh, nothing is gonna shake them or move them. But then when they have the chance to really share what's missing in their life what's needed for their loved one uh you see you see areas of fragility and and that was very eye-opening for me as a person and so you know i recognize that a lot of our family members are struggling just to keep their head above water Mm -hmm. uh, during covid Um, i can't tell you you know how how disheartening it was for me when I would get a phone call from somebody because their caregivers were refusing to show up and you, when you don't have a caregiver show up and you need them, well, that that's a bad situation. It would be like, you know, if uh, all of a sudden El Paso electric decided to turn off the electricity to your house, you know, good luck in trying to generate electricity for yourself. Um, that you know so that that happened
0: um you know we had a friend tell you a real quick story we had a friend just to put this more in context and uh he couldn't get out of bed mm -hmm. he needed assistance to come out to to, you know to do the the personal hygiene and whatnot so his caregiver decided not to go that day or well i don't know what happened anywho so he couldn't get to his phone so he folks he laid in bed for almost a day and a half Mm -hmm. In his own pcsp whatnot because he couldn't reach the phone and i'm like i'm like wow you know just and i never figured that you know now that you're saying that you know now that i'm in his life you know when you, you integrate or talk to different people you see the, the stories and you're like wow that's you know that's something that you never think about mm-hmm. you know and i'm like what and, and that, you're
1: you're you're 100 correct on that um and what i also hear from families is you know like in new mexico for instance uh, new mexico wants to do it with all of their medicaid waiver waiting lists which is a really cool concept you know i wish Mm -hmm. texas would take that initiative but in new mexico the providers are sort of leaving the state because they don't pay enough money Mm -hmm. And, and so it's sort of meaningless to to have no waiting list, if you have no providers,
0: <laughs> <laughs> true. Uh, true.
1: You know, it's like uh, you know, there's this old accounting joke I heard. If you want to save money as an organization, fire everyone in accounts payable. You know,
0: uh, <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, uh,
1: when when you're not paying enough to attract the people to provide the service, that service sort of is meaningless. And mm-hmm. and so a lot of our families they struggle. That's the number one thing I hear from family members is how hard it is to get care. And they're not even concerned, maybe, about quality care at this point. They just want somebody to come into the house. And, you know, it's sort of like, yeah, they'll, they'll hire somebody who was in prison. Maybe not in prison two years ago, prison last week, you know, and they just got paroled. And, and, and they're like, well, name,
0: name, let me tell you this. Just so that, just so, um, it's funny you mentioned that, Mr. They Okay. Somebody, as you know, my wife is a personal care attendant, right? right. Okay. So she's been with different companies and I'm not going to say who they are. So she goes, she filled out, you know, she filled out little paper and they ask her what, you know, her experience. And okay, tomorrow you go to this gentleman in the nurse she comes home. Oh, babe, I, I have a, a new client. I'm like, really? No, no background check? I mean, I know she'll pass it or no, no drug test? No. I'm like, damn, really? You know and, then, and, you know, and then she got to a new company this week. Uh, and this company, yeah, they have a training modules. They had, you know, because she was on the computer. They had, you know, she's going to go on um, Tuesday to do a five, uh, four-hour training class. And I'm like, wow, that company is really cool because the other ones, and I'm not lying to you, Mr. Lane. She's been at least, I want to say, five different companies. Yeah. And they're all just, okay, tomorrow, I'm like, whoa. Well, Wow, that's pretty. That's not good at all. And
1: you know what? I, I I I've heard all of the I, I've heard the good, the bad, and the ugly about caregivers, um, hmm. and it's it, it, it's got to be frustrating for families. And so when I hear you know of the need for Texas to increase its reimbursement rate for for caregivers through the Medicaid programs, that's essential. Um, we can't have you know, we we can't have people who need help and personal assistance going without it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, it, it, it's unconscionable as a society. And, and, I and think, it's, it's
0: hard work, Mr. Van. There, there's,
1: there is nothing, there is nothing um, easy about any kind of a job. But mm-hmm. when, when when that job means the difference between basically being sidelined and been forgotten to the point where somebody would eventually die, or mm-hmm. having a meaningful quality of life where they can contribute to society sort of as they see fit, like anybody else would, that that's a huge difference.
0: let me interrupt you there, Mr. Mason, I'm gonna kinda piggyback what you're saying. So Going to what you said, quality of life, okay. So, like uh, like me and you, right? Mm-hmm. They say, hey, Mr. Lane, let's go out to dinner. Okay, i you know, I'll, we'll meet you over there. So just gotta go and, you know, comb my hair or, you know, whatever I gotta do, get dressed and we'll leave. By the way, folks, who those who are visually impaired and I'm bald. But anyways, um, so it'll, be, it'll take us, what? Five, 10, 15 minutes to get ready and poof, take off. But like someone who uses a wheelchair or has an intellectual disability, you have to, get them dressed. You have to, so like my mom, she wanted to go somewhere. It would literally take us, me and my wife, two hours to, even you know, wash, my wife would wash her down, you know, you know, clean her, and, and then she'll come into the bedroom and I help her put her pants on. Then we would transfer her to the, to the, um, to the wheelchair. At that time, we had to use a Hoyer lift. So it took us like two, two and a half hours just to get her ready. Right. And, and like you said, if those support services aren't there, their quality of life is going to be Useless. It's not going to be there.
1: It, it's it's going to be absolutely horrible. So, you know, when we have people come to the ark and, and we schedule appointments, or even some of our part time employees we have, you know, when I'm told, well, this uh, person can't be there before such and such a time in the morning, it's typically because of personal care support needs. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not going to put anybody in a bad situation, you know. Um, as long Come as now.
0: I'm, <laughs> well, really. you know,
1: I'm, I'm going to work with them.
0: No of and, course. Of know, course. The,
1: the other frustration we have as an organization is Sun Metro and the lift. Uh, you know, this last week, I had both of my staff who use public transportation late by about an hour. Um, That's not and, going there. And you know, they're thoroughly apologetic about it. But i told them you know i said i know what the deal is with sun Metro and the lift. don't worry about it don't don't panic don't get into a panic attack you know we we understand that you're a loyal person that if it's under your control you're going to be here on time so so then that's how we work with them on that um but that's another frustration Mm -hmm. is just just the public transit um
0: you know transportation I
1: i was explaining to somebody else earlier this week you know, what my schedule was, you know, when I went to that grant writing workshop on Tuesday, I was interviewed by one of the local radio stations that afternoon for a segment that's gonna air in a couple of weeks. And um, I was explaining what my schedule was like. I had to get over to the Franklin Mountain State Park first thing in the morning. Then I had to run over to Sam's Club and get some supplies for the Ark of El Paso and due to inflation, you know, prices are going up. Get those over to our location at Sunland Park Mall, then get to the location where I was gonna do the interview uh, where it would be nice and quiet, and you know, be a good quality uh, on, on the radio interview. Um, I couldn't do any of that if I was using public transit, mm-hmm. because it would be it would be time prohibitive to have run that schedule using public transit. Uh, and so, there's a lot that 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 needs to change for the better. And I think that that public transit is a whole other debate
0: um we could mr those who know me and you that that discussion itself because you're on the on the cac's I those who know, don't know I and i used to be on the CEC. i actually you chair you, you shared it right you're yes. the chairperson now with the chairperson so folks we me, and mr lane could tell you stories and we could tell you facts well, facts okay what Post- i will you
1: know what i will just share with your audience is i'm fairly convinced without being directly told that if the city of El Paso could make public transit go away, I think they'd be okay with it. That is my gut feeling based on presentations that I've been in. I haven't been told that directly by anybody, but just, just, just hearing what has been said and how it's been said, that would be the conclusion I would come to. And I think it's I think it's so shameful because um, public transit is there to improve the quality of life for everybody in the community. Uh, you know, Every time I go over to the Archive of El Paso, I'm commuting from my home in Far East El Paso by America's High School to Sunland Park Mall. And I'm happy to do that because I believe in what the Archive of El Paso does. But if it were possible for me in a time-conscious way, to use public transit to get from my house to Sunland Park Mall, I would do it in a heartbeat. Um, but I can't do it, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's, that's what's so frustrating.
0: It's like, and, let me tell you this, Elaine, really. I had a friend of mine. Okay. He lives here in Lower Valley. Mm-hmm. He used to go see his grandma downtown. Okay. He uses a wheelchair. So he used the public, he didn't use a lift because he's like you said, the lift forget about it. But anyway, so he used the public transit. Which is, when we say that, folks, that means a fixed route. And he said that he, before, he could get to the, a certain area and go take one bus. Boom. Downtown. Mm-hmm. He said, easy. Now, as of the last two years, and we know why the last two, I'm kind of hinting why the last two years. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. But the last two years, he has to take three buses now. Uh-huh. So he's like, you know what? I'm, I don't even go see my grandma anymore like I used to. And like you say, uh, 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 Mr. Lane. The LIFT, L-Y-L-I-F-T, and I always go, when I used to be on, on the CAC and when I go to meetings, I always tell them, even, you know, is listening, I go, look, the LIFT is meant to make people with disabilities life more, have a better quality of life. The LIFT is L-I-F-T, which is living independently, living independently, facilitated by transportation. Mm-hmm. And the LIFT, as we know it today, me and you, Mr. Lane, does not do that anymore. For example, now I'll kind of touch it real quick. Now, I don't want to make it long. But Sunday services, like tomorrow. Mm-hmm. If anybody knows what's going on, like I said, we could, me and Mr. Lane come back and give another hour of story on, on what's going on. But, that's neither here or there. But transportation, you're right, Mr. Lane. So like for me, if I wasn't married, that's my main source of transportation. No matter if I'm going literally across the street or across the, the neighborhood or across the city. I have to use a lift or a route. And so, think about this, folks. It takes me two hours sometimes just to get there on the lift. Like, when I used to work. You mm-hmm. know, we take the lift to work. I had to go I went in at 8 o'clock. They came and picked me up at 6.15. Dropped me off. Okay? Then on the way home, guess what? 5 o'clock. I, I worked downtown. By the time I got home, another an hour and a half. So I literally spend three hours close to three hours three and a half hours a day
1: well with, with one transit. of the employees this week with the archival mass it was like i think about a two uh hour and 45 minute ride one way
0: <laughs> yeah. and, and, and that
1: part of that is you know the left running late
0: and, and everything mm-hmm. Not enough buses. Well, anyways, we're, we're going to get off because we don't want to go too long on that. But uh, Mr. Lane, <laughs> i will laughing because me, me and Mr. Lane, we, we go back on stories with this. Trust me, folks. Yeah. Um, so uh, if someone uh, wants to contact the, the Ark of El Paso, how can we do that?
1: There, there are several different ways. Um, we have a Facebook presence. Uh, we're the Ark of El Paso on Facebook. Uh, so you can message us on Facebook, and the next time we're monitoring that, we'll get back to you there. So that's definitely one way. You can email us at info at org, and we'll get, we'll get back with you. You can call us at 915-564-4978. Um, those are all ways how you can can reach out and connect with us. Um, on our website, we have an advocacy and consultation page and there's a form you can submit on there. If you have any questions or concerns, you can submit that confidentially. It's a secure form. And then we'll reach out and get back to you with that. Um, you can become a member of the Orca El Paso. Mm -hmm. Uh, we Mm -hmm. offer free membership options. We don't want anybody to, to, to pay for a membership unless they, they have a desire or ability to do so. And so uh, we have a get involved tab and you can become a member through through our website. Uh, If you just want to keep up with what we're doing as an organization, you can either go to our website and and look at the events tab and it'll tell you everything that's happening in the current month and any hot items that we have coming up during the next month. Uh, For example, uh, the Saturday of Labor Day weekend, we're going to do a picnic over at Memorial Park Reserve. So that's going to be like a five to eight o'clock picnic. So we'll be getting that information out uh, pretty soon. Uh, so there's, there's a lot of different opportunities. and ways. I was going to tell people,
0: if, if you know anyone with an IgG that's young and it wants to get involved in different activities, trust me, folks follow the archival of Paso on Facebook. Yeah. You're going to see, they have a lot of events. It's pretty cool. I mean, they had like, for example, um, they had another, they had a, uh, something in Sunday Park mall, I forgot what it was. and, It was on a Thursday. Anywho, I went blank. But the thing is, I tell you what, folks, really, you know, if you wanna grow an organization that's really interactive with their community, and and, and what it does is also brings that that unity, you know, that uh, different people coming together and Mm -hmm. enjoying each other's, you know, community, you know, um, uh, partnership and whatnot. I I think it's a really good opportunity, you know, to get involved. Um, Before I forget, too, uh, I should have said that at the beginning of the show, uh, programming, though. Uh, on August the twentieth, uh, your friend and our friend Bonnie Perez Ramirez is going to come on board. She's the president, or the regional director. I'm sorry, for the is she's a regional director, or director, something like that. I'm sorry, Miss Bonnie. Director the Regional of the project, yeah. yeah the, the director of the PIN project, and she will be on coming on the August the twentieth. Uh, don't know the time yet, but oh, anyway, before we go, Mr. Lane, any parting words you want to give to to our listeners and people are watching?
1: Yeah, we would. Uh, you know, we want to be known as an organization that is responsive to our community. And so if you are a person with an intellectual and developmental disability, you're a family member of a person with an intellectual or developmental disability, or you know somebody who has an intellectual or developmental disability, we wanna be part of their life. And if what we're doing right now as an organization is not the best fit for the person you know, don't hesitate to reach out to us. A lot of what we're doing right now with our ARC Adventure Club, our book club series that we've got, uh, our our video game system that we've got at the center. Those are all in our Legos. Those were all um, ideas brought to us by our constituents. And yeah, okay. somebody comes to us with an idea. If we have the money, we'll go do it right away. If it makes sense to us and we can figure out how to make it work. If we need to go get dollars, that motivates us to go get dollars. So we like to be responsive to our community. And so, if there is something that is missing in our community that you think we need, we'll you know, typically it's just about the money. So we'll go we'll go find the money source. Uh, so so we love to do that because we want to make El Paso a better community, uh, not only for just people with intellectual and developmental disabilities, but we want to make El Paso a better community. For all El Pasoans.
0: Amen. Amen to that. Yes, sir. So, all right, Mr. Lane, I salute you, sir, for everything you do in our community. Oh, you do man, a lot. I really George, do. It's always
1: a pleasure yeah. to visit with you. Um, for your audience members who are listening, and they need to reach out to me directly before Monday, call me on my cell phone, 915 494 If it goes to voicemail, I'll get back to you just as soon as... Yeah, I get back on
0: the phone. Yeah, you do. Yeah, yeah. One thing about you, you're wow. good at return calls. Yeah, yeah. So, all right, folks, thank you for joining us. Like I said, August the 20th would be the Pin project. Ms. Bonnie Pettis, or Bonnie Pettis Ramirez, actually. And, Mr. Lane, I salute you again, sir, because you do thank a lot. You. And, everyone, have a good night. Be safe. And, I hope it doesn't rain and keep dry. <laughs> all right, <laughs> everyone. Absolutely. Bye, thank Mr. Lane.
1: Bye.